listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Here we are, January 2nd, New Year, and and what what did we ask for right beforehand? We said we'd like reviews, and we got reviews, Kirk. Yeah, people came out in droves. They showed up for the running public. It did. And so the way this seems to be working is that it takes 24 to 48 hours for reviews to be vetted and for them to populate. I think that's to stop bots and people from spam reviewing uh, which we're not big enough to get yet on this podcast. But as a result, we can't give results of the contest yet because we gave until January 1st and those reviews haven't populated yet. So hang tight. Next time you hear from us, we will most likely have some winners for you for three people having one free year of the online training program. Yeah, we will. Just hang tight till next training Tuesday. But we very much appreciate uh, lots of people going out of their way to write reviews. So thank you. But yes, hang tight. One week. Yes. Well, Kirk, I had a revelation. Not a, I don't know if revelation is the term, but I had a an interesting weekend because it was the West Dallas Central Alumni Basketball Tournament. It was our first time returning in like eight years at least to play this thing. And I had only seen one individual in this tournament in the last decade. And so these are all the people that I went to high school with or played against at our rival high school. The town combines for this. So West Dallas Central and West Dallas Hale uh, are mixed together in this, but you play for your individual school up until you get like 30 years out or whatever. And then you can start combining teams just to find enough bodies to get done. So these were the people that uh, I played against for four years or with for four years, and I hadn't seen them in a decade. And it was, as you would expect... Really, really interesting to see who took care of their bodies and who didn't. And by the second game, the third game, for some people making it through to the fourth game, there was a dramatic cliff that people fell off in terms of conditioning and then their body just being able to withstand what they were trying to do. And obviously everything we go through on a day-to-day basis informs us of what we need to talk about on this podcast. But this was a great reminder to me that... By the end of the tournament, there were a few people in fantastic shape, and then there were a bunch of people that were still able to play, but the majority weren't anymore. Their fitness had left them. And it was a reminder that, yes, you can go the exceptional route and be exceptionally fit, but the later you get into life, you are winning by simply exercising. And that was, this is maybe the clearest version of that I've ever seen in my life that, If you can't train, as you put this earlier offline to me, if you can't train, at least exercise. Doesn't that fly in the face of uh, some of our previous episodes we've done? Exercise versus training, where we shove training down our listeners' throats. And we still stand by that. If you're not training, you're leaving plenty of room for improvement on the table. But I think it becomes clear in situations like this. Like, okay, so you can't train or you're not available emotionally to train at least do something my curiosity is um 
how many of those gentlemen weren't even able to access their talent because fitness got in the way. And my guess is probably most of them. 90% of them. It reminds me of adult league soccer, soccer that I played for years, um, all the way till I was about 35. Um, and some of the most talented people out there, you could see pregame with the footwork and they had their little dad bellies and all that, you know, life, they corporate job and kids and all that. But you could just see they were better with the ball than people like me were, you know. And then they get out 10 minutes into the game and they're an absolute liability because they simply can't move at the same speed anymore. And their their talent is all for naught. So mm-hmm. I've, I've seen it, but not in recent years. So it's it's good to bring this back to the surface for me. Yeah, and I, I got tired because like soccer, basketball is a bursty sport and it's very nonlinear. And I've been playing twice a week with my father in the mornings, but it's old man basketball. We just... We dawdle and have fun and space the court and keep the ball moving around. Like there's not a lot of get up and go moments. And that was exhausting for me. And I was really sore. I felt like I'd run a mountain race after night one of the tournament. And then I got loose for the day, next one. And I felt better after day two than day one. Like I, it affected me. I was sore. I was tired. But there were various levels of this. And it was just a, it was such a good reminder that. The people that let the perfect become the enemy of the good got way out of shape. Those that said, I can't play basketball five days a week like I used to. I can't do my sprint training or I can't do whatever. (sighs) I guess I'm done playing basketball. And then 10 years later, they decide to play again. Like They couldn't do the perfect, so they didn't do the good. But I was sitting next to a guy on the bench during one of the games, and he's like, you're still running a bunch, right? I said, yeah. He said, I just can't get into running but i found i really like biking and and so he did the good Mm -hmm. like he doesn't train the way he used to but instead of just doing nothing and he he said all right i'm gonna pivot to the next thing and he's biked and you know what he was on the list of people that could hit a jump shot at the end of day three everyone else their legs are gone they're coming up short they can't get to the basket anymore and he played all the way through because he found mountain biking and it was just a great reminder that if you don't have a race on the calendar or you're, you've you finished your big race and now you've got the doldrums afterwards, that you don't just let it go because the perfect training doesn't excite you. Just do the good. Mm-hmm. Just exercise. So that when you're ready for the next thing, you have this underlying level of readiness. You don't have to be primed and perfect all the time. Everyone who is, they are. The people who woke up this morning and they're like, God, 2024, I already have every race paid for and I bought my travel and I have my training plan set and I sign up for this new coach and I'm ready. You don't need to hear this. You're fired up right now. It's the aimless people that are like, I might not run this week. Just go exercise. Stay available. Well, two things. One, um, I want to know if uh, you were carried out of the gymnasium on the shoulders of your teammates at the end of all this, hailing your... Amazing no, fitness. no, you were no, but I was like, encouraged to to hey, go go ahead in the in the second half. Go ahead, why don't you why don't you get out and run a little bit? That's here. a good feeling. And then, as a by the way, folks, I'm probably not going to contribute uh, quite as much today. I'm I'm down with about a COVID, so Bracken is putting the team on his back. I think today in this episode again. Um, just like he did in the basketball tournament. So you might have to excuse me if if I'm not uh, on mic as much as my counterpart. But the second thing I was going to say is um, what 
what do you how does that look for a runner then listening to this like you use the i don't like running so i bike you know for that one teammate of years but like what would that look like more mm-hmm. specifically in your opinion then give a few examples well i'm the classic example of i have something written on the calendar and historically when i'm not dialed in if i don't have time or physical availability to get let's say i have a 8 mile cut down scheduled and i look at my watch and now i only have 40 minutes available and I don't have my running shoes on yet, I would slam them down in frustration and Lisa would be like, what? I'd say, I don't have time. I'm not doing it. And I'd storm away. Like, that would be... You could just start that cut down at five minute pace and you would make it in time. That's one option. The other option would be just put my shoes on and do a 39 minute run. Live to fight another day. Who cares? I didn't get the perfect done. I'll settle for good. And maybe 20 minutes into that run... I cut down. Now I do a 20 or a 19 minute cut down or I just start hammering or I don't. But settling for something less than perfect in order to just keep the joints greased, keep the the body moving, keep the legs rolling. And maybe you do that for a couple of weeks. I have no motivation to hit my long run. Hit a medium long run. Well, a medium long run for me is already always 75 to 90 minutes. I don't want to do that. Great. Do 60. Who cares? You're still exercising. To some people, that would still be a training run, but not letting that perfect get in the way. And so if what you have in theory or in, in actuality scheduled isn't available to you, take the next best thing. And then if the next best thing, if that process isn't working for you, take the first available thing. I don't feel like doing any of this, but there's a show I want to watch. I'll sit on the spin bike and watch the show. Great. Go do that today. We're not advocating intentionally breaking your training plan. But if it's not going to happen either way, take the next available thing. Yeah, I have a, I think every woman I'm working with right now in my life is pregnant. It's like one of those things where it just comes in waves. Like I think I got like... <laughs> Don't sign up with Kirk unless you're looking <laughs> unless for fertility. Unless you're looking, correct. Uh, my wife is not pregnant, but uh, everybody else in my life that I coach or work with is pregnant. There's like seven pregnant women I'm working with right now. And one just had a conversation about this exact thing. She's in her first trimester and she's struggling with feeling pretty sick. And, and we just waffled over the exact same mm-hmm. thing. It's very important for her to stay on her training and she has in previous pregnancies. And so it's not a concern, but she feels like such crap. And it's like, she just kind of, you know, skip and skipping. Like, I'm not just going to do it then. She's kind of throwing her hands in the air in frustration. And we just had this exact same conversation. It's like, well, just because you can't go do your five mile tempo cut down, which is actually was part of the prescription. It's like, well, we can get out for a run at least easy, right? That doesn't scare you. And she's like, well, no, or we can push it back as far as we need to into the week until you hit that day where you're like, I think I'm ready for it. Let's be flexible. There's always options that way. But if you just woke up every day feeling like crap, holding your hair back, throwing up in the toilet bowl, and then threw your hands in the air and said, it's not even worth trying today. Like, where would you be in nine months in a vastly different place? So I've just, just outlined mm-hmm. that in a conversation with her. It's very interesting. And I would say that <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with exercising. And in fact, if you've gone through bouts, we all do. In fact, like I'm going to be starting from scratch here after COVID. So I'm off already a week of not training and whatever. And I certainly am not going to be able to let perfect get in the way of good here. I think whenever I start ramping back up, but 
Mm-hmm. When you, what I'm getting at with that and myself included is I'm starting to think through what the heck do I do? I'll be probably a week and a half off of nothing by the time this is all said and done is if you've gone through serious bouts of training in the past in recent months or years, like truth be told a couple weeks or even a couple of months of in quotes exercising is going to maintain status quo with your fitness far more than you realize, especially if it's sandwiched between purposeful training bouts you're not really taking that much, you know, st- that many steps back. I don't really feel like, and I've found that myself, for example, um, all fall when I spend time in the woods, like I was hardly training. I was putting on my running shoes, taking what the day brought me and moving on with my life. I had zero emotional investment in my training, to be honest, for two full months. I still did it, but it wasn't training. It was more exercising. And then I started to ramp things back up in December and previous to getting sick, suddenly two weeks in, I'm popping metrics already. Like I'm, I'm ready already. Like I didn't, my exercising didn't really set me back. It just allowed me to pick up where I left off. And that's a big thing people don't realize. Exercising can allow that to be a platform to at least be a placeholder. And then when you recommit, you're just starting where you left off instead of starting in a deficit. And that's why perfect getting in the way of good is like couldn't be more true and i've experienced that a few times in the past and those are two really good examples a hunting season a pregnancy where just the rhythm of life takes you to a place where training is no longer the priority and the question for all these people is not what do i feel like doing today it's what do i want to feel like when i get back And that's that long-term vision that is hard to harness in the moment. I feel so bad today or so apathetic about this. I have no motivation. I'm just not going to do it. But how do you want to feel six months from now or six years from now when you suddenly decide, hey, I'm excited by doing this thing? What do you want waiting for you then? And there's a giant, giant cavernous gap in the fitness that will be waiting for you, in the body that will be waiting for you, if you choose nothing or you choose some amount of exercising. It is enormous. And it was very clear. Like the difference was 30 pounds between the guys on the court who have done nothing and who have done a bare minimum. And it was 80 pounds between the guys who have done nothing and those who have done extraordinary work. Like they're... There's so much difference between the stages, but you would rather not have the nothing stage to fall back on because then you're starting from scratch, but now X number of months later into life, which is degenerative. And the coach brain of mine, as I'm sitting on the bench at times watching people is thinking, all right, so let's say that I had to get one of these people 363 days later to the start of this tournament by doing the least amount of activity necessary to be ready for this. What could that look like? I thought, all right, if I took this guy here and he looks identical to the guy next to him and they both are just sucking wind and can't even move anymore. And the guy on the left, let's say we jump roped for like one minute, three times a week and just added a minute per week until you got to like 10 or 15 minutes of jump roping and then walked uphill on a treadmill once a week, rode a bike once a week. And then after like six months of that, started doing like some jogging back and forth on a football field or a soccer field. Like what would the difference in those two people's physicality be like a year from now? Just three times jumping rope per week, which would take almost no time out of your week. I'm saying maximum 30 minutes over the course of three days per week. 
one 60 minute walk, one 40 minute spin, you're less than three hours of commitment per week. He would be so enormously far ahead of that other person after doing that for 51 weeks that they would be different basketball players, despite not doing any basketball skill. The closest thing to basketball skill would be jump roping. And that would be simply so he doesn't blow out a tendon mm-hmm. the moment he tries to plant and jump. Like if it's something that little, less than three hours a week of commitment could make an enormous difference in a year. What could like walking or jogging every other day for six years do to someone from the moment they leave college to the moment they decide, oh, I've had my first kid, it's time to start working out again. Like the, it is, it is an enormous difference and it's hard to even like oversell how big of a difference it would be with just a little bit of exercising. Well, and I think you outlined something interesting there and we've talked about this plenty. And I know when I was out, you and Rich Ryan did a, an episode on, let's say power of non-specific work impacting your sport of choice. Like you didn't outline, like, what if this guy just played basketball for 30 minutes Mm -hmm. twice a week? for the next year, where would he be? You outline right. very non-specific uh, things. Truly, I mean, you're not playing basketball. So I think we often, and, and myself, I've had to get over this barrier many times in the past through injury. It's like, well, I can't run or I don't want to run, I guess you could even know. I don't know who would think that listening to this podcast, but there's those of you out there who just don't want to run one day. Something else sounds better. Mm -hmm. Don't want to run or can't run. So I might as well just say, screw it. Like, what's the point of going to the gym and doing strength? Like that can't possibly translate to my running. What a waste of time. I'm just going to do nothing. Or my foot hurts a little today and I hate biking. It's the only thing I can do. And then you move forward that way as well because you just can't train the specificity. And then suddenly your specificity suffers way more than if you just got on the dumb bike or even jump roped. You know, it's very interesting. The guy was a mountain biker and he yelled up better. Like that's non-impact. That is very linear in nature. That is so far from basketball. But it didn't matter because it's still coins in the bank of fitness and that eventually comes through. So I just find that interesting. Like, again, it's the perfect in the way of good thing. Like, it doesn't have to be sports specific either because I've made half a career on it. And in your comeback, you've made your new career on non-sports specific training at very, very many times here in this last year. Yeah, it's deciding do I want nothing in the way of structure waiting for me when I get back or something. Mm. Like your engine, if all you did was weightlift – lunge, uh, yoga, your engine might not be any better for it when you get back, but your body's willing to handle whatever you're going to throw at it. And that gets you through the first month. The first month's the worst because you have your soreness, but if your structure can handle what you're ready to start doing mentally, then it's not so bad. And then you get through the bad part a little easier. And if you added like a Peloton bike class or a YMCA spin class or you got on the assault bike or a rower or anything a couple times per week, now suddenly you have some engine. Now all you have to do is pair the impact of running and the skill of running. And now let's say you jogged a few times a week. Now all you have to do is raise volume. Like Every incremental increase along the way on that scale of exercising towards training makes the next stage go smoother and easier. And, they, and and I think the main reason people, watching the people around me get out of shape, the main reason is that it's so uncomfortable and miserable to start up that they never gain momentum. Mm-hmm. And the further you get away from fitness, the more destructive it is to you those first few weeks getting back to it. Well, if you can do the maintenance piece 
just via exercising while you're in your doldrums, while you're aimless. When you get back to it, you get the invigoration of, is that a word? Invigoration? For sure. For sure it's a word. Yeah. Yeah. You get invigorated by the work you're doing and the instant progression that you see. And you don't deal with the overwhelming catastrophic soreness and fatigue. And so that alone removes the biggest barrier for returning to fitness, which is how unpleasant the first few weeks are. Simply maintaining some level of exercising keeps that at bay. And once you get past that, once you lose it all, now you have to be special in order to get it back. There's a little bit of irony in this conversation right now, um, given that it's just after the first of the year and... Um, it would make more sense if we were giving like a motivational speech episode, like you're all ready to rip heads off. It's the new year. We get to focus on 2024 and here are your goals and heck yeah, we could just, just do a jock jams, pump you up episode right now and get people rolling out of the door, right? Ready to kill it. Mm -hmm. And you're already feeling that way. I don't think we need to layer, you know, icing on that cake, but what's going to happen is you're going to get COVID in three weeks and it's all going to go to shit or your kids are going to get sick and you're stuck Mm -hmm. at home and you can't get out for a run or family vacation, spring break in March comes up and suddenly you forget about how you so desperately are ready for, you know, crush your May high rocks. But now there's a kink thrown in your schedule. And right now we all are sitting here with our rose tinted glasses on feeling like a superhero, although we haven't done shit yet in the new year. Thinking like, I'm going to knock this out of the park. Like, this is going to be awesome. Yep. And literally some of you in the next few days are going to hit your first hiccup. Like, already something's going to pop up. And you're going to sit there and be like, ah, it's not worth it. Like, I already, it's already screwed. New year, new me. That's crap. I've already missed a workout because I suck. Right? And you're going to find yourself in that boat. All of you will at some Mm -hmm. point. And then it's already like, this is actually the conversation that matters more. Like we can go stroke your ego and tell you, go get them tiger. But like, it does you no good when real world comes at you and everybody's dealing with the real world, you know? And so I think it's more pertinent to have this conversation than it is to tell people like, go be, go smash. Cause you're all going to need this at some point. Yeah. I think one of the hardest things for people to comprehend in general is an accurate feeling of how the future will be. It's really hard to comprehend your future self. I'll I'll get there when I get there. I'll worry about it then, or I'll be fine then. And then you get there and you realize you're the same person you were. It's just later on and you are less prepared. Mm. That's generally the way things go. And the worst case scenario is for you to get to the future at a worst version, a worse version of yourself, worse than you are now a degraded form of yourself. And so you almost have to operate to start your year or your progression or your plan as if you've already failed once or twice. That old, you know, no plan survives first enemy contact or everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Well, anticipate getting punched in the face. People are all excited, like new year, new me. I'm I'm, I'm fired up. I'm committing to this. I'm not going to miss a single run. You're going to, you're going to get punched in the face and that's, that's Okay. Let's just already start talking about what happens when you're sitting on your butt with your nose bleeding. Mm-hmm. Now, what do we do? Let's choose exercise that day rather than nothing. Yes, of course, we want you to choose training every day. Mm-hmm. This episode is training Tuesday, not exercising for everybody. However, 
We want everyone to choose exercising instead of not training at all. You can't have complete setbacks. You get minor setbacks, but it's like set forward. You just kind of reset around it and keep moving forward. You can't lose momentum. Once you lose momentum, a day turns into a week, a week turns into a month, months turns into years, and next thing you know, you're unrecognizable at your 10-year or 20- or 30-year reunion, and you can't jump into the things you want to, or you find something that excites you, and you're not even available to train for it because there's not enough time in the world to undo what you've done. Yeah. And this will end up sounding like a broken record because I've said this a number of times over the years, but it, it all has to do with like that whole, like you start with the doing the motivation follows conversation, right? Like when you have periods of time of imperfection mm-hmm. and you have periods of time in which you're not motivated getting out. And even if you're like cursing under your breath the whole time, right? Like, oh, I'm just going to get out for a 20 minute run. Like I hate running in the dark. It's 10 degrees out. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, it's inconvenient. You go and curse under your breath for 20 minutes outside when you were supposed to go do an hour, right? Well, even though that was just a miserable 20-minute experience again, it kicks the rock one little further down the road. And eventually something either catches your interest or you go out for that run that you're dreading and it feels good and you just keep going or whatever it may be that day. But, like, really it is an object at rest wants to stay at rest, right? And so, like, even if begrudgedly you do a little bit of something like the motivation will return. You don't know when it will come back. You really don't sometimes when that's, that's your deal. And again, you're all super motivated right now. It's the first of the year. You're all awesome, right? You're all just going to knock this out of the park, but most of you are going to sit there and reflect and have a different conversation with yourself once you look back on the year. And so it's just like placeholder, 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 placeholder until suddenly you don't want to just use the placeholder anymore. And like, don't even you don't even need to force it you don't even need to try to curate the motivation what you need to do is you need to force moving your body and by default the motivation will curate itself at some point and so just like to remind people of that like it is okay to have like a bad attitude and it's okay to go out there and not wanna and don't and be a little toddler <laughs> like i'm going to the freaking gym today all these new people are here that weren't here before and i've been here for years and this is bullshit and my machines being used and all this fine like throw yourself a temper tantrum but still show up and that's okay like eventually attitude will turn around yeah. and so i just i have a feeling i'm going to be going through a little bit of that here cuz i took a pretty big hit with this recent sickness and and i think it's just more like Okay, that's fine. But still, like, show up. Do whatever your body's going to allow you to that day. Your body or your mind. And eventually, you'll be in a good place. I don't know. I, I'm probably getting a little long-winded there, but you get the sentiment. Yeah, it, it, it needs to be. It needs to be beaten over people's head because we all assume we can handle it, and then we can't. Yeah. Unless we have a plan. Uh, my dad, as I've talked about here on before, had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Uh, but he was in the Chicago Bears camp when Walter Payton was still playing. Mm. And Walter Payton took my dad under his wing. And they kind of became close for a while and remained in contact after my dad uh, washed out of the NFL. But one of the things that Walter Payton would repeat to the rookies was, you can't just try to make the team. Mm. You have to try to become a star. And he'd always say, you, and it's a, it's a variation on what we hear all the time, but he, was, he would just stand there walking up and down the line at practice, just chanting over and over, like, 
shoot for the stars. And if you miss, grab onto the sun. And if you miss that, grab onto the moon. And if you miss that, you're still in the stratosphere. Like he would just walk back up and repeat these things to these rookies. And Walter Payton's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest to ever play. But his message was that you can't just miss once and fall to earth. Like keep grabbing the mm. next thing. When you fall off the ladder, lurch out, grab that next rung. And when you miss that, grab again and again and again and again. And you have a million chances to get it somewhat right on the way down until you hit rock bottom. Mm. And every one of those rungs above rock bottom are better than rock bottom. You just have to keep reaching for that next thing. You can't just say, all right, I missed it. It's done. Can I play um, devil's advocate here? permission of course to muddy the waters um Mm -hmm. is that good enough meaning like at what point are we kidding ourselves like is there a is there a point in which then we need to shake somebody right you get what i'm getting at here like listeners of this podcast um care enough about their run fitness or their hybrid or ocr to want to better themselves so at some point like great we're giving you a nice like pat on the back saying like, it's okay if you're not perfect, but like, is there an expiration date on this mentality? Do you think, or do we not even? Yeah. When it becomes your pattern, when it becomes your, your day-to-day existence, this is emergency rations. Okay. Right. So what I'm getting at is how long is it okay to allow yourself grace? What is, is there is there any, is there a way to objectify that at all or not really? I mean, this is probably going to spin me off on a huge tangent. Good. Grace does not, in my mind, equal permission. Mm. You can give someone grace and a kick in the pants at the exact same time. And usually they're both required. Like You have grace. I can't get this workout done. It's logistically impossible. Well, shoot for the moon then. Grab the next thing up. That's okay. I don't want to do this. So I'm going to walk instead. I don't want to do it tomorrow. I'm going to walk instead. I don't want to do it again the next day. I'm just going to walk instead. And look at, I'm still exercising. I'm going to crush this 50K this month. Like, No, you're not. Hmm. It's okay that you're still exercising. I'm happy that you're not sedentary. But you're going to suck at your next race. And you need to be aware of that. It's going to go really poorly. So this needs to be the emergency flare. This is the emergency rations. This is the life raft. You can't live in the life raft indefinitely, but it's there when the ship sinks. And then you need to get out and get back on a ship and ensure that the raft is back in place. That's the way this works here. This isn't permission not to train. This is when training isn't available for one reason or another. This is permission not to take the day off. This is permission to feel like I've been, I've benefited myself in some way by simply exercising today. I've been productive rather than a blank day. That's what it is. But it is certainly not permission to do less. It's permission to do something instead of nothing on days when it's just not happening. Well, you got to where I was eventually going to get to, so I don't need to. But my sentiment was going to be it is not permission to... Uh, forego training into perpetuity um, or let it become your habit. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Because then you'll degrade fitness. It's like, um, it's like, you know, the whole money in the bank sort of analogy or theory, like training or exercising is putting money in your fitness bank. But like you have your daily, if you daily bills, mm-hmm. you know, your rent and your 
health insurance and your car payment and your kids and all this that comes out no matter what, whether you're training or not. And you need to be putting enough money in the bank to stay ahead of that. And as far as a performance standpoint goes and exercising, you're going to be putting in less than is being withdrawn. Like eventually you're going to run out of funds and you're going to go to spend and it's not going to be there in a sense. Right. And so you can only stay in that pattern of exercising for so long before like your outflow, meaning fitness loss is going to surpass your input, meaning your fitness gain or your placeholder. And so it's like, it, it, it has to have an expiration date. Some is better than none. Don't get me wrong. But like, I think it can't, it's like, uh, I messed up my diet on Tuesday. So screw it. I'm going to just screw off the rest of the week and then start fresh next week. Like you can't have that mentality with it. This has to be like a pick your battles. Um, you know what? Today was a tough day at work. I'm at home. I'm exhausted. My mile repeats, like literally it's the last thing I want to do, but a 20 minute incline hike on the treadmill at home while I catch up on my, on my sitcom sounds manageable. And then doing that every so often, I don't think outlining a pattern, we're not trying to give you permission or allowance to go just be a, you know, a very downgraded version of yourself, but it's on occasion, right? When those things pop up, we can plug it in, but it shouldn't be like a mainstay. That's definitely not what we're getting at. And I'm glad you outlined that because that was literally the point I was going to make. Yeah, it's it just can't be relied upon on a daily basis. You have to insert it when needed. My sophomore year, Kirk, I got cut from the baseball team, and I was devastated because I was fairly certain that I was going to make the team. College? Uh, this is college, sophomore year of college. And so I decided I'm not going to go to class the rest of this week. Hmm. I'm going to sleep in. I'm just going to party every day. I'm just I'm checking out. I have I worked all summer, all fall for this. <sighs> Whatever. I'm 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 taking a, a personal week. Is this the period of time in your life when you were in the shower and looked down and you had like what you call a little bit of a belly and you're like, where did that come from? And then you were like, I'm fixing this. This was the start of that. The start of your downfall temporarily. This was three months okay. prior. Yeah. And so I just didn't go to class for a week. And then what did I have to do after that? I got I finally like got myself back together went to class, showed up, and had no clue what was going on in any of my classes. And then I had to play massive catch-up and take bad grades on the quizzes and tests until I caught back up. Now, the perfect thing to do would have been to just pull myself up by my boots the moment I got cut from the team and say, this will never happen again, I'm going to work harder, and I'm going to nail my courses and just keep going to class and do even better. Like, what was the degraded version of that? I could have just gone to class and not taken notes. So you know what? I'm taking I'm taking the week off of notes. I'm just going to sit here and listen. Or I could have skipped class and sought out the notes from someone else and recopied them over. But I didn't do anything. And you know what it didn't do? It didn't make me feel great during. Mm-hmm. It wasn't this big relief vacation I thought it would be. And what it did afterwards is it set me up to have to undo all my negative non-work. Yep. Whereas just like one of those things, just go there and don't do anything and just be there and absorb some of it or don't go at all, but find someone's notes and copy them down. Either one of those things would have put me so much farther ahead. I would have shown up with something instead of nothing. And that's what we're doing here. Sometimes you need a pity party, but still take notes. Yeah. Like do something. You don't want to show up with nothing and then have to undo your pity party and then catch back up and then get back to where you were prior. That's what you don't want ever. Did you do a lot of class skipping in college, Bracken? I did so 
much class skipping, Kirk. I had a 1.7 after my first year. I had a 1.85 my second year. And then I had to go 4.0 or above the rest of the way out just to get into the School of Education because you had to have a 2.85 to get in. I think it was like 3.95 I had to keep out. And then I had to take a crazy number of credits so that I could build up more time spent at a higher GPA just to balance it out. It was the dumbest. It was the dumbest. And I learned the hard way, like I always do, that it's way easier to work steady early on than work like a maniac when it's already almost too late. This is who you're taking advice from, folks. A (laughs) 1.7 college class skipper. 1.7. God's gift to this university. I'm not here to take courses. Uh I'm not here to play school. Uh, that's funny. Do you know, I think we've had this conversation. I skipped one class in my entire college career other than what I missed for athletics, which wasn't skipping, but I, and it was due to a hangover my senior year. Um, I just couldn't get myself there, but, um, much like you after my sophomore year of college, I had a 2.3 GPA, um, cause I was solely cared about athletics and wasn't really spending the time studying I should. And then I, I four owed my last five semesters when I got my act together and then barely slid into grad school and got to move on that way. But I very much was similar to you, except without the class skipping. I, uh, I just didn't care, I guess, until I did, but it's funny. We both did that route. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. We learned the hard way. And I thought like, you know, as a runner, I'm talented, whatever I can get by as a student, I'm a good test taker. I have a good memory. I'm a fast reader. I'll be fine. Like You're not in high school anymore, little boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your professors aren't going to chase you down. They don't care. It's on you to do the exercising or the training to get by. And that's how adult life is. We don't care if you had a great physique in high school or college. Not we. I'm, I care. I'm very happy for you. But like life doesn't care. We don't care if you're a responder. We don't care if you did 10 straight years and never missed a day. Like, you're going to age and it's going to hit quick. And your your fitness is going to lose if you take time off. Like, don't take pity time away. Keep exercising. That's all. Go to class still. Take some notes. Um, let's say you exercise to perpetuity. Like, you know what? I just like listening to Kirk and Brack, and I'm just like, it's like my mom. My mom watches the cooking show on TV for the last decade. She's, you go to her house, it's the Food Network. I haven't once seen her make any of that food. Not once. She just likes to watch it. That's like her thing. Okay? But she ain't going to cook it. Maybe some mm-hmm. of you listening to us, just listen to us because I don't know why. You're never going to do the stuff we talk about. Like, is that okay? Is that fine? Just watch the cooking show and never make the meals? Is it? Of course it's okay. But I, I'm not the oldest person around. I'm 36 years old. There are a lot of people listening who have a lot more life experiences than me. But I've lived a lot in my 36 years, Kirk. I have a lot of experiences, and I've dealt with a lot of people. And what I firmly believe to be true is that at some point, everyone will have something they want to do that they have to say no to because they're not physically prepared. And for some of you, that's a 100-mile race. For others, it's a Ragnar with a team. For others, it's jumping into a triathlon or a duathlon. For some, it's running a 5K with your spouse. For some, it's going to be eventually... I can't chase my grandkid around because I've got a wonky hip or my back gives out. If I get down on the floor, I can't get down on the floor and play. I don't care what the thing is. Eventually, you will encounter a physical task that you have to say no to 
because you're not prepared to do that physical task. And you may not encounter it for 50 years. Watching grandparents who realize, I have to say no, I can't pick you up to a grandkid, is heartbreaking. Sorry, I can't run after you. I can't swim with you in the pool. I, I neglected my shoulder and now I can't even swim. Like There are things that will happen in life that you can't control, but you do not want to get to that moment where you have to say no to something that means a lot to you because of negligence. And so, yes, it's okay to never take our words to heart, but you will run into this roadblock someday. And there was a bare minimum amount of movement and activity that would have preemptively removed that roadblock. You never would have known about it, but you didn't do that. And that's what I want people to not encounter. Well, I'm listening, Bracken. Hopefully the people who need to hear it are too. What else... um... We have a little bit shorter of an episode today than a typical Training Tuesday, but what else can we explore with any of that? We didn't know if we were going to just use this as a preamble and then get into some other stuff today or we were going to let this conversation sort of roll because it was top of mind for you. And the longer we do this, the longer I realize, um, like if it's top of mind for you, it's probably going to be top of mind for some of our listeners too. So it's always worth entertaining these thoughts. Um what else? I mean, I, I could I could continue on a few different paths with it, but it might get redundant. What about you? I think I'm happy here. I think we've gone far enough. People understand what we're saying at this point. I, I, I'd like to just wrap up by saying what someone smarter and more successful than me already said and repeated. That's Walter Payton. Shoot for the, for the stars. And if you miss on the way down, grab the sun. And if you miss, grab the moon. If you miss that, you're still in the stratosphere. Just do that approach with your training. Don't give up on the perfect workout because you can't get the perfect workout and be done. Give up on the perfect workout and grab a really good one. And if you missed that one, grab a good one. If you missed that one, grab an okay one. You still did something okay rather than nothing. <laughs> it's kind of kind of like dating if you're single, right? But just <laughs> oh, that's depressing. No, that's... no, you hold out for the right one in that case. <laughs> um... <laughs> no, you you <laughs> you leap to the highest rung of your ladder and you do so with confidence. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I did want to two things. Poor Jess. Stop it. No, I just I stayed up at the stars. I stayed in the stratosphere. I meant her. We got you knocked that off. We got um. We got a lot of feedback from the uh, Ryan Whited, Matt Fitzgerald episode, and I had a number of PTs chime in with me after that episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, go back. It's one of the more interesting conversations we've had in the four years we've been doing this, but um, I don't know if you had PTs reach out to you, but I have a couple uh, athletes that are PTs, actually, or chiropractors or uh, doctors, and it was just interesting how I think it could be taken that like, let's say Ryan Whited was pitting, like, here's my way of thought. And then here is like PT's ways of thoughts, but are very much what I'm understanding from people who have reached out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of a hybrid. Uh, I would say the, the field as a whole is sort of understood this concept that like pain is a bit subjective. And so, um, there is like a hybrid approach. I think most PTs, new age PTs are taking like understanding, like, yes, we need to, we still need to course correct, but, there's also this whole side of the conversation that Ryan White and Matt had with us that I think is very much um, accepted by the PT world. And I just, I got this email from one of my clients, uh, Jared, who's a traveling PT. 
And what I found interesting, one of the things that Ryan uh, Whited had said was, um, was that like how many people would present via imaging like a torn meniscus but present no symptoms or have like a bulging disc and present no symptoms. And so like is it our psychosomatic saying, hey, oh, now that I know I have a bulging disc, my back hurts, right? Or now that I know my meniscus is torn, suddenly my mm -hmm. knee hurts whereas it wouldn't have hurt unless they knew that or had the imaging, right? And he just sent me this uh, interesting um, – this is a, a slide. It says abnormalities found on scans in asymptomatic people. So, like, they're just taking the general population who have no pain, mm -hmm. but clinically diagnosed, it would be like, yeah, you have a ruptured disc in your back or something. And I'll just read through them. I figured you'd find this interesting. Um. So I'll go from, it goes neck, shoulders, lower back, hips, and knees, and then feet as well. I'm sure you're interested to hear this. Yes, I'm not wasting my breath. So <laughs> hanging on every word. So I think this is a little dated. I see 2015. These are actual peer-reviewed things. Um, out of 1,211 people aged 20 to 70, 87% of people had a bulge disc in their neck. These are asymptomatic people. 87% out of over a thousand people had a bulge, like via scan, like objective. You have a bulge disc, um, claiming no pain. You move to the shoulders, 51 men age 40 to 70. 22% um, had a partial rotator cuff tear. 22%. Note again, these are people that are not saying they have pain. 78% had bursal thickening, meaning they had a bursal in their shoulder. And 96% had some abnormality of some kind in their shoulder, yet none presented with symptoms. Can I keep going? We move down the body to the lower back. Absolutely. Out of over 3,000 people scanned, um, uh, roughly 20 years old to 80 years old, so it's a big gap, 37% uh, had disc degeneration. Any 80% or 80 year old or older, 96% had disc degeneration shown in scans. Um, I have three more here and then I'll, we can move on our way. Uh, in the hips, uh, out of 2000, this is all ages, 68% showed some sort of labral tear or injury. 68%. 67% uh, uh, pincer deformity. And I don't know what that is. And then 37% a cam deformity. Um, and then in the knees, this would be interest to you. Um, under 40 years, this is almost 6,000 knees looked at, people that have no pain. Uh, under 40 years, um, let's see, meniscal tear, 19% uh, had a meniscal tear that presented no symptoms. Cartilage defect, 43%. And then OA, what would OA stand for off the top of your head? 43%. Probably other yeah, abnormality 42%. or osteo abnormality. Sure. Uh, in the foot, uh, the average age of these people were 47 in the study. 54% uh, presented a Morton's neuroma. Uh, again, no pain or symptomatic. And then uh, ATFL pathology, I'd have to think on that one as well, uh, 37% um, showed. like So all these people... You could go to the doctor and be like, I'm perfectly healthy. And then they're like, no, you're not. You've got a bulging disc in your neck. And then suddenly, potentially. Right. So I just found those studies fascinating, just meaning like how subjective injury is 
directly correlated with pain. And I wanted to bring that up because we got a lot of comments from that episode. And I just thought since I have some objective data in front of me, I might as well share it as an end cap to the episode. I think that pairs well because one of the common negative reviews I got of that episode was there wasn't enough hard actionable data mm-hmm. or or proof or actual recommendation. It was a lot of like gray area. So I think having some some hard data is nice to see. Yeah. You want to plug our new plans and then get out of here? Oh yeah. We have an ultra plan live on the website and we have a hybrid plan live on the website and they're good. What website is that Bracken? TheRunningPublic.com underneath the link for training plans. There you have it. What can people expect on those plans? Why don't you just outline it really quick? Um, uh, then we'll, then we'll wrap. Well, if you liked Joshua Reed's talk about ultra training, our ultra plan follows a lot of, uh, like-minded principles. There's a lot of muscular endurance work in there, uh, structural stability work, volume building, long runs, uh, making sure that you're ready to handle the demands of the race. And it's going to progress throughout the season. But right now we're really working on muscular endurance and strengthening the structure. And in the hybrid plan, it's based on the double threshold principles. You're running threshold, erg thresholds, and then making sure that we can functionally move in every plane of movement demanded by hybrid sports. Beautiful. And um, because we don't, you're not going to, when you sign up for the plan, you're not going to see like months into the future, right? Um, Why don't you describe, are we following any sort of, is this a race ready, are these race ready now plans? Are they uh, following the structure of any certain season? Um, Again, those that are signing up, you're not going to see the the foresight on this. So I'm just, I'm letting you do the talking today, Bracken. These split the difference. They keep you as close to race ready as possible while following, in theory, an intelligent flow of the season. So hybrid, the DECA seasons and the high rock seasons really define the landscape of hybrid in our sport as we know it. And so it follows the flow of that season while allowing you to jump into things along the way that pop up. So it's kind of a ready-to-race system, but in theory you will arrive better at each stage down the line. It's not just a plateau system, which I don't think anyone would advertise that they have a plateau-based (laughs) (laughs) system. But uh, it does follow the flow of the season, and Ultra is more of like a constant build. Like our OCR, like our running plan, it is a constant build throughout the season. But right now, we would be in what we would consider more of a base-building phase. Cool. Just thought the people should know. Um, It was a good year, man. We got a lot to look forward to in 2024 as well. It's a great year. All right, Bracken, I think we did it. Here's the 2024. Cheers, folks.